We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And I would like to wholeheartedly, from the bottom of my heart and soul, wish you a happy Frank Gore Day. That's right. Today, June 2nd, 2022, Frank Gore, the inconvenient truth, one of the greatest, greatest running backs to ever do it has signed a one-day contract with the San Francisco 49ers and retired as a member of the 49ers. He was also instantly, at his time of signing and retiring, um, he was instantly inducted into the 49ers Eddie DeBartolo Sr. San Francisco 49ers Hall of Fame. And all I can say is it's about time. I mean, we've been waiting for this for a while. We've known it was coming. But that doesn't make it any less legit. Plenty of 49ers content coming through on their on their Twitter, ha- Twitter handle. I just got done watching a video of Frank signing the paper, um, sitting next to Jed York, talking about the fact that, you know, it's tears started flowing from both him and Jed when Frank said, you know, even after I left, y'all kept checking on me. And, you know, this is, this is my home. Uh, this will always be my home. And I will always refer to this team. I think he says that in the statement, which I will read. So let's let's do that. Let's let's read. Uh, first, I'm going to read the statement from Jed York, who I'm getting a random FaceTime call right now. Have the scammers moved on to uh, on to FaceTime? That's kind of intense, right? So I'm going to let that keep going. Um, so watch out for the FaceTime scammers. I don't even know what that would look like. Jed York, in regards to. Frank Gore being inducted into the Eddie DeBartolo Sr. San Francisco 49ers Hall of Fame. We are thrilled to induct Frank Gore into the Edward J. DeBartolo Sr. San Francisco San Francisco 49ers Hall of Fame. It's a tongue twister right there. His rightful place among our all-time greats. Frank had to overcome many challenges upon entering the NFL and now leaves the game not only as one of the best backs in the NFL, 
history, but one of the best football players ever. Frank's 16-year NFL career is a testament to his durability, having played in more games than any other running back in league history. His grit, toughness, and commitment to greatness earned him the respect of his coaches, teammates, and opponents. We knew this day would come when Frank would retire a 49er, but we look forward to the faithful celebrating his induction into the 49ers Hall of Fame in Levi's Stadium this upcoming season. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. And and obviously, uh, as this conversation moved on, I was going to mention uh, Frank Gore's Hall of Fame credentials. But I and I do think Jed York kind of summed it up really well there. But we'll get back to that. Um, Frank, in Frank's words himself, he says, one of the very first things I told the 49ers organization when they drafted me in 2005 was that they got the right guy. I knew earlier on that I wouldn't let my college career define me in regards to injuries and that I would have to outwork a lot of people to get to where I wanted to be. After 10 years in San Francisco and 16 years in the NFL, I could confidently say that I put all I had into the game of football. Football was and is everything to me, from meetings and film study to practice and just being in the locker room. All of it meant the world to me. I am happy to officially close this chapter of my life and proud of what I was able to accomplish and the legacy I leave behind. I want to thank my entire family who was with me the entire way. I would also like to thank Denise and Dr. York, Jed York, and each coach I was fortunate enough to play for. To my teammates, the ones I sweat and strained with every game, thank you for continuing to push me to want to be more and not settle for the status quo. Being inducted into the 49ers Hall of Fame, one of the most historic franchises in all of sports, is something that is hard to put into words. This organization will always be a part of me one that I will forever associate myself with. I will talk about San Francisco as we and us for the rest of my life and will support the 49ers and the faithful in every way possible. And cheers to Frank Gore, man. That's that's so well said. I don't believe he said that uh, in person. I believe that was just a written statement that he put together for the 49ers announcement. And man, I mean, it, it just it doesn't get any better than that. Truly one of the absolute greatest NFL careers this game has ever had in my in my humble opinion you just you just don't see that and and I, I anyways I love the fact that Jed York acknowledged because you you often hear you know longevity isn't a Hall of Fame quality and maybe I would normally agree with that but that depends solely on what the longevity consisted of. If a player was just, you know, an, an incredible, incredible, and I'm not knocking special teams players, but let's say a player was a tremendous special teams player and just found a way to stay in the league for 15 years. Um, you know, if you told me his longevity wasn't a Hall of Fame quality, I'd say, okay, but you're not talking about just an NFL player that somehow managed to put together a fantastic career, you know, a long career. You're talking about a starting running back that's played more games in NFL history that averaged is, is whose average yards per carry was just as much as everybody around him in the hall of fame, third all time leading rusher. I mean, it, it just in terms of it, it is a hall of fame career for Frank Gore to play the running back position and just look at it as a story. It's a Hall of Fame-worthy story. It's a Hall of Fame-worthy career. Dude tore both ACLs in college, came into the pros, and ended up being more durable than any other running back we've ever seen. 
what sense does that make? I mean, talk about overcoming all odds. It, it just blows my mind, the career that Frank Gore put together. And he deserves a special t- uh, feather in the cap for finishing with exactly 16,000 rushing yards. <laughs> I mean, it's aesthetically pleasing. It's fun to look at. But to me, you know, you can talk about players that were the best at their position for a shorter period of time. Or, you know, you got somebody like Barry Sanders who played a super short career and was the absolute best the entire time. Uh, I think, you know, one of the one of the if you're looking at the whole list of the all time leading rushers, um, Barry Sanders and let me follow this over. I think that's Jim Brown. No, I'm trying. The line is so long to follow this all the way. Yeah, Jim Brown. Uh Barry Sanders and Jim Brown are the only two on this list that I can see that have averaged over five yards a carry, which is uh, pretty unbelievable. But Frank Gore is, is special, man. And the career he put together just – it just defies what we know of the running back position, something that's just plagued by short careers, uh, significant injuries. And Frank Gore – Looked like he was significantly injured after every damn play. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The dude would get tackled and take at least three and a half seconds to get up. And you never knew if he was going to get up. And a lot of times, Joe Staley would run over and help him up. And he'd be right back in the huddle the next play. And he would gain another four yards. And it was just, it was a sight to behold. And um, I'm just, I'm glad that I got to see the majority of it, you know, from from a perspective that I can remember. Uh, Frank Gore's career started a year after I graduated from high school in 2005. And so for the most part, I got to remember his entire 16 year career. And that's, uh, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. So I believe the, uh, the pro football hall of fame official Twitter account has already tweeted that Frank Gore will be, will be eligible for the hall of fame in the class of 2026. I'm in no way saying that he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He could very well be one, depending on how the voters feel about him. Um, but I, I do think, I definitely think he gets into the Hall of Fame. And I think that the traits that Hall of Fame voters value, I think kind of Frank Gore kind of embodies that. Um, and uh, so I think we see him in there, which is, uh, again, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. I'm just, I'm just taking a moment with y'all to appreciate uh, the magic that was Frank Gore's career, and uh, and the fact that he just officially finally signed off. And uh, you know, that's something else. There was a a video that I took that I need to try and find. Um, I was actually at the 49ers' final home game in the 2014 season. That was Frank Gore's last year with the 49ers. It was Harbaugh's last year for the 49ers. Jim Tom Sula followed, who was followed by Chip Kelly. Um, and, you know, the writing was on the wall. It was clear that Harbaugh was out, and, and, I, and I wasn't as obvious that Frank Gore was out, but I just kind of felt like I might have just watched Frank Gore's last game. And sure enough, um, after the game, Frank Gore, I believe he even had a San Francisco 49ers flag in his hand. Uh, he ran around the entire Levi Stadium, high-fiving everybody uh, that was sitting next to the field, ran around the whole stadium, and I filmed the whole thing. And my parents and and my brother, were they were eager to <laughs> to leave, beat everybody to the car, and take off. And we all know that that's not really a thing. Uh, you ain't getting out of there. But I, I sat there and watched Frank Gore 
run that entire stadium, high-fiving as many fans as he could reach. And, uh, and I just kind of assumed that was Frank Gore's last, uh, last game with the 49ers. And it was, and it was, and he high-fived every fan he could touch. It was so cool. And, uh, I need to find a way to locate that video because I would love to be able to share it with y'all on Twitter. Uh, I just have no idea where it is. I mean, I've had an, I've had an iPhone since then, so I don't know why I wouldn't be able to find it, but you know, I, I haven't seen it. So I'll, I'll have to figure out what I can do to locate it because that was a, that was a special moment, but moving on. Uh, the 49ers also announced well, 49ers slash NFL Twitter also announced another retirement, one that, that affects the current 49ers. And that is one center Alex Mack. Now, this is something that we had been kind of contemplating, wondering, you know, debating on. I think it was the last pod where I talked about Kyle Shanahan's comments um, saying that, you know, I think I know what Alex Mack is doing and you guys should too to the media. And I was like, okay, that that sounds like somebody's retiring, right? Like, I, I don't really think he would be that ominous about somebody playing for another year. And sure enough, Per, uh, per NFL Network's Mike Silver, he announced that Alex Mack was officially thrown in the towel after a 14-year career. So good for him, man. I know that he just recently got married, went on his hunting room, honeymoon. The dude is is just living the life right now. And I, and I assume that coming back to be a part of the grind that is an NFL offseason, you know, as you, as you approach the regular season, just probably wasn't in the cards for him anymore. And now he gets to go live his life. I mean, the dude is 36. He's the same age as me. And he's already put together a 14 year NFL career and is retiring and, and we'll, we'll get to enjoy a long life. And I'm sure he'll, you know, tackle other ventures, but I assume that the 49ers have known this uh, for quite some time. They were very coy about it. John Lynch said that he was not going to announce anything for Alex Mack. And the moment he said that, like, I'm not going to announce something for a player. I'm going to leave it up to the player to announce that. The moment he said that, I was like, okay, my mind took me towards retirement because, you know, players don't usually announce that they're going to play another season. They just kind of show up and play. And the moment John Lynch said that Alex Mack was going to need to announce it himself, I was like, okay, so that sounds like retirement, but. I didn't know, you know, but I, I I think the 49ers have known or at least had a very, very strong indication that he was going to retire for a while. Now, the biggest kind of question mark about this is they didn't really invest much in that spot and into the center position. And we all kind of assumed Alex Mack was going to retire so that a, a center was really high on a lot of people, uh, people's draft boards in terms of where the 49ers might go. But they they really didn't. I mean, they've got Donovan West, who was, I believe, one of their undrafted free agents, kind of a highly touted undrafted free agent out of Arizona State. And then, you know, you kind of have a, a hodgepodge of offensive linemen that are going to need to compete for that spot. And I think J- veteran Jake Brendel has kind of been holding that down during OTAs. I know he was the guy snapping Trey Lance the ball. Uh, he's been in the NFL for about four years um, out of UCLA. So I don't I don't necessarily think he's the favorite to start, but he's the guy doing the thing right now. You know, and, and this kind of bleeds into an overall kind of uncertainty 
or at least some change up along that offensive line that the 49ers haven't had to deal with in a while. You know, you've got Trent Williams at left tackle, who isn't at OTAs right now, but they're voluntary. That doesn't mean anything. You've got Aaron Banks, a second year player who really didn't play at all. That's going to be expected to step into that left guard role, which is where he played at Notre Dame. So we'll see. I mean, that's a question mark right there. Now, you would think a a highly drafted offensive lineman out of Notre Dame would be able to step in there and do the damn thing. But we really don't know much about Aaron Banks. And he didn't get a lot of snaps last year. He didn't earn a starting job. Not that necessarily one was available because you had Daniel Brunskill at right guard and Lincoln Tomlinson at left guard. No one's beaten out Lincoln Tomlinson, you know, uh, especially not a rookie. I'm not going to say nobody. I mean, sure, you could bring in a premier left guard that would be capable of be- beating out Lincoln Tomlinson. But in my eyes, Lincoln Tomlinson always was a, a premier left guard. So, you know, there wasn't necessarily a spot for Aaron Banks to step in and, and, and prove his worth. But at the same time, it was always disconcerting that he just got almost little to no action, um, played a little bit in the preseason, got injured, and then and that was it. So, You've got Aaron Banks that's expected to step in at left guard. If I had to place a favorite on who's going to fill in at center, I'd probably put it on Daniel Brunskill, who was obviously the starting right guard last year. Um, But he knows the offense backwards and forth. Um, He stepped in as an emergency center at times, um, both in the offseason and during the season. And I, I, I think that he would probably be the 49ers' top choice from that. And they're going to basically look at all the other players and see who can step in and compete at that right guard spot. Now, I assume the favorite there is Jalen Moore, who's a second-year offensive lineman out of Western Michigan. I've heard that the 49ers really like him, and they're really high on what he's capable of doing. Um, He's played kind of all over the line for the 49ers, stepped in and played some tackle for him, and we'll see. Um, we'll see. it's just, and then you've got, uh, you know, Mike McGlinchey at right tackle, who is still recovering from that torn quad. Isn't necessarily, uh, I think he's at the facility, but he's not partaking in practice. So, I mean, you've gone from a very, very solid, predictable offensive line. That was Trent Williams, Lincoln Tomlinson, Alex Mack, Daniel Brunskill, and Mike McGlinchey. Now you're at a point where you're just hoping this shit works out. You know, obviously you got Trent Williams at the most important spot. You're assuming Aaron Moore is going to step in there at left guard. Then maybe Daniel Brunskill becomes the center, even though he was the guard last year. And then hopefully Jalen – I'm just saying Jalen Morris as a placeholder. Hopefully Jalen Moore is good. He's capable of playing the right guard. And hopefully Mike McGlinchey rounds back into form and he's capable of playing right tackle. That is a massive question mark for Trey Lance in his supposed first season as the 49ers starter. Like – at the at arguably the most crucial position for a new quarterback's success. So the 49ers have a lot riding on that offensive line as they roll through OTAs and as they come into training camp because you know the 49ers definitely operate from a trenches outward mentality. And it's not to say they don't have talented players capable of succeeding in the NFL on that offensive line. But those are a lot of question marks. And that's a lot to develop. Usually, you know, 
when you go into training camps, you're like, oh, there's a competition for right guard. I wonder who's going to win that. Rarely do you see a competition for like three out of the five spots or, or uncertainty at four out of the five spots. And it's just, it's a precarious spot to be in. Um, one of the common names that I've seen mentioned on 49ers uh, Twitter is JC, former Brown Center, I believe, JC Treader, who is a free agent, um, very highly graded on Pro Football Focus. Uh, I believe he won two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight year career, first three years at Green Bay, last five in Cleveland. Um, I did hear someone mention the possibility uh, or uh, or dealing with injuries or trying to overcome injuries. We'll see. But I know that's a, uh, you know, that's a, a popular name out there. He's 31. He's still got some years left under him. Uh, it just makes me wonder why he hasn't been signed yet. You know, has he told teams that he doesn't want to play? Are teams worried about an injury history? Um, I got to wonder why he, hasn't been signed yet because by all intents and purposes, he's a solid player. Uh, I mean, he played 16 games last year, played 16 games a day, the year before 16, 16, 16, all five of his years for Cleveland, he played 15 games. So, I mean, that seems like a logical fit if the 49ers can afford him. Um, Again, I'm just trying to search for answers as to why a quality player at that position uh, remains unsigned. So, or like we've already talked about, the 49ers could just look to keep it in-house and allow players to compete for that role. So, you know, at least you've got Daniel Brunskill, the Aaron Donald kryptonite. Aaron Donald, by the way, who was in the headlines saying, you know, if if me and the Rams don't get a new contract worked out, then I'm just fine going away. And basically the entire rest of the NFL was like, all right, go away. I hope you fuck this up, Rams. <laughs> you know, but I, I highly doubt <laughs> that they would that they would allow that to happen, especially. I mean, you're also risking. Let's say Aaron Donald ends up feeling slighted by the Rams. Aaron Donald retires <laughs> or pulls a Tom Brady or it's, I'm sure it's not that easy, you know, but. It would be hilarious if somehow Aaron Donald ended up in the hands of another team. You know, that worst case scenario, I don't really think it would work out like that because obviously if Aaron Donald were to say he retired, then he would his contract would still remain in the hands of the Rams, which is the same thing with Tom Brady. When you know his although he said he was retiring, the, the Bucks still hold held his contract and there was no way that they were gonna allow him to uh to play anywhere else. At least it didn't seem that way. So we've got the um the Jubilee, that is Frank Gore's retirement. And then you've got the, uh, the I wouldn't say impending doom, that is Matt, uh, Alex Mack's retirement. But it, it puts the 49ers in a spot. It puts the 49ers in a spot. Now, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, the 49ers also, I want to get the name right of this. So I am going to NBC sports Bay area, Matt Mayoko. Cause they had that event last night. Um, that was, um, part of Dwight Clark, the Dwight Clark legacy series event. Uh, I wanted to get that name, right? It wasn't something I just wanted to spit out, um, because obviously Dwight Clark, um, you know, kind of beloved within the 49ers, beloved by 49ers fans, um, recently passed from ALS, I believe a, a couple years ago now. And, and, you know, obviously his name has continued to live on in the organization and they had that event last night and Matt Mayoko, uh, along with Laura Britt were the hosts, I believe. And one of the, um, you know, the, the, obviously the headline grabber question that John Lynch was asked by, Matt Mayoko was, will Debo Samuel be on the 49ers next season? And John Lynch, you know, with with some extra words, was was very clear about it. He said, you know, we haven't traded Debo, Sam, Debo Samuel. I'd be a fool to trade Debo Samuel. And so, yes, Debo Samuel will be on the 49ers in 2022. So, obviously... There is some confidence there from John Lynch that at the bare minimum, Debo Samuel's going to be on the 49ers roster next year. But you also have to wade through the different circumstances in which Debo Samuel could be on the 49ers roster next year. Now, what levels of Debo Samuel are we talking about here? Is Debo Samuel on the 49ers roster? Because the 49ers and he have hashed it out and agreed to a record-breaking new deal for Debo Samuel, and that's why he's on the 49ers in 2022? Or has Debo Samuel's holdout continue and the 49ers aren't playing that game, and now they are fighting him into oblivion? But technically, Debo Samuel is still on the 49ers roster in 2022. So, you know, obviously you've got each end of the spectrum there. So, you know, as... As promising it is that John Lynch is confident that Debo Samuel will be on the 49ers roster in 2022, doesn't necessarily detail his status within the organization as to 
his presence on the roster. So, you know, you would wonder where that would go. I've always said that I don't think Debo Samuel would necessarily hold out because the fines that the 49ers could levy would completely wipe out his rookie contract. And, you know, if it got real hairy, I believe they don't have to give him credit for that season. And, uh, you know, and then you've got franchise tags that could be levied after this next season. And uh, it could get real ridiculous if the 49ers wanted to make it that way. But I'm assuming above all of that, that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are going to make it work with Debo Samuel, and they're going to figure out a way to make him happy because, I mean, that man was was the 49ers offense last year. I mean, it wasn't the whole year. And and this is where, uh, you know, I was listening to uh, Guy Haberman and John Middlecoff earlier earlier today, and, and, and John brought up the fact that, you know, Debo is – he was incredible at the end of last season, but it's very, very, very easy to see why the 49ers would be hesitant to just throw the bank at him. You know, when you look at Debo's time in the 49ers, he hasn't consistently been doing what he did to end last season. Uh, he has been good, but the end of last season was unbelievable. Instant NFL superstardom type play. And it's hard to blame Debo Samuel for instantly wanting to leverage that into a new contract. But when you're talking about questions in regards to Debo Samuel's weight, you know, what kind of shape he keeps himself in, was that part of the reason he struggled with injuries at times? You know, and I'm not even saying any of these are the the case. You know, can Debo Samuel continue to produce at the level he produced last season? It would almost be unfair to expect that of him. It was it was at such an insane rate of offensive production that it would be unfair to expect Debo Samuel to produce that over and over. You know, there's so many question marks. Can Debo Samuel work hard enough to be able to continue to grow from what he did last season? Can he stay healthy? Um, can he put his reservations aside and put it all on the line for the, you know, I'm just trying to come up with these question marks that the 49ers may have in regards to giving somebody, I don't know, $70 million guaranteed and $20 million a year. You know, that's a type of contract. The 49ers can only dole out so many of those contracts and Nick Bosa is right around the corner. Fred Warner's already gotten one. George Kittle's already gotten one. Trey Lance will have to get one eventually if things work out. You know, Trent Williams has already gotten one. Uh, so there's a, I mean, and even Jimmy Ward's a, a pretty high paid, pay, high paid player. So there's a lot of players with good big contracts on the 49ers. And that I don't think that'll necessarily hold them back from signing Debo Samuel, but they have to make sure that that money that they are giving that player is going to be well spent because a, a play, a contract like that that goes bad can cripple a team when it's worth that amount of money. I mean, we saw the hoops they had to jump through with D Ford because they traded for him, gave him that big amount of money. And he pretty, I mean, rarely got on the field for the 49ers. It was unbelievable um, how poorly that worked out. So Debo Samuel in his defense established himself. Like I could be the man 
and I can take this offense to new heights. And if you want that brand new quarterback to look as good as he's supposed to be, then you're going to need my help. And so Debo Samuel is saying, give me the money and let's do this. Whereas the 49ers are probably saying, let's do this one more time and then we'll give you the money. But can, uh, can the two come to a middle ground? That's the question. I don't. I don't know what that middle ground could be, because I see the I see the legitimacy of paying a player like Debo Samuel the money he's earned. Period. And I also see the legitimacy of the reservations the 49ers would have in regards to paying Debo Samuel, and, and the two are going to have to work it out. So when John Lynch says that Debo Samuel is going to be on the 49ers in 2022, uh. In what way is is really the question to go from there? And will they be able to work it out? Uh, I would put my chips, you know, I would put my, my chips in Kyle Shanahan's corner in his ability to sit down with Debo Samuel and, and work it out. That's, that's just what I'm assuming is going to happen. So we'll see though. It's still it's still such a major question, and we have no idea when it's going to go end. I do not expect. Now, Kyle Shanahan did say that he expects uh, Debo Samuel to be there for mandatory minicamp in June, and I was about to say I don't necessarily expect Trey or excuse me Debo Samuel to be there at training camp, and you know that's when the fines can start being levied. So I just don't know. I just don't feel like it's like you know the 49ers have had those. Rookie contract deals where, you know, we don't know if the player is going to get signed. Then all of a sudden they sign the deal literally as players are walking out for the first practice. And I don't think this is going to be like that for Debo Samuel. I have no idea when this is going to get worked out. There's still a lot to do. The reactions, moving on, the reactions from Trey Lance have been relatively positive. Uh, now, again, I said this last pod. You want the reactions from OTAs where you're playing like seven on sevens and there's no pass rush and they should be positive. You would be concerned if they weren't positive because it's it's OTAs. There's no You really can. You really should be able to put it all together in OTAs. Um, when the hardest thing you're doing is playing seven on seven. So it would be more of a concern if Trey Lance had been bad than it is a blessing that the reviews have been good. But for the most part, from what I've heard from every, you know, from, um, from Biederman, from Haberman and Middlecoff, from Mayoko, from Grant Cohn, from, from everybody who's there, it, the, rea- the, the reviews have been pretty positive. High completion rate, um, a couple wow throws every practice. I was watching one of the videos posted of Trey Lance warming up and they did kind of a simulation of an, of an unblocked rusher in his face and Trey kind of just bounced forward and then quickly sidearmed it like 20 yards downfield uh, right to his target. Now, again, this was just kind of like warmups. His target was just a coach out there for him to throw it to, but it was just one of those very small glimpses at kind of like the, the freaky arm talent that Trey Lance has and, and, no matter, it reminded me of those practice clips of from Trey Lance that got posted on Twitter during the season, 
that were just some real, real freaky throws. Uh, some, some stuff that makes you go, wow. And it was just a, a small little spurt of that. You know, like if those flow, if those throws were a flame, then this was like a little spark, like bang, there you go. Little, little dash of love for you. Uh, it just looked impressive. You know, just the way he moved his arm and how quickly the ball came off his hand and uh, went right to the target. I believe somebody even filming or somebody off the camera was like, okay. And this was just a warm up session. So, you know, the reviews have been good. There's been a, at least a couple throws every practice that have been talked about as far as just gunning it into a small window. Two defenders dove for it, couldn't get to it, hit the receiver, and uh, stuff like that. I, I really haven't heard a whole lot of criticism towards what Trey Lance has been able to do. But it's also, again, I'm, I'm telling you, just, I, I want to talk about it because that's what we're supposed to do here is talk about this stuff. But we do have to pump the brakes in regards to just what it means. You know, he's out there playing without the vast majority of starters. Debo Samuel's not out there. I don't think Elijah, Elijah Mitchell has been participating yet. They're just kind of taking it easy on him after he had a couple offseason surgeries. Um, I believe. I believe that was Elijah Mitchell we were talking about. I better hope so before I'm freaking people out. Um, not major. You know, um, George Kittle's not practicing. The entire offensive line isn't in front of him. Again, there's no pass rush. And uh, one of the positives of that is it sounded like he, Trey Lance is developing a solid rapport with Brandon Ayuk, who has been essentially the 49ers' number one receiver during OTAs, you know, followed by Jawan Jennings and uh, and Danny Gray. Danny Gray, by the way, was in a Jimmy Ward mic'd up, where I believe Charvarius Ward, the new 49ers free, free agent corner, was covering Danny Gray. Uh, Jimmy Ward was helping him over the top. You could hear Ward communicating, you know, I got your help, I got your help. And then as the two ran back to the huddle or to the sideline, they were both just talking about Danny Gray, the 49ers rookie wide receiver, third round pick, saying, boy, that guy's got some speed. He's got some fresh legs, <laughs> you know, which is good. That's that's going to be Gray's role with the 49ers is his ability to, to uh, stretch the field. And we'll see if, him and Trey Lance are able to uh, to get on the same page because uh, obviously the 49ers want to take advantage of Lance's arm talent, his his big arm, his deep throws, and getting somebody like Danny Gray seemed like a uh, just um, you know just a little bit of a little bit of support, a little bit of let's give Lance someone to throw deep to. So Gray could be be a big part of. Uh, of what the 49ers are going to do this year. But his his path is is not easy to snaps. Because if you let's assume Debo Samuel comes back, it's a ton of snaps right there. Brandon Ayuk, ton of snaps right there. George Kittle, ton of looks, ton of throws. Um, and then you've got Juwan Jennings, who looked like he was really coming on. So Gray's path to getting the ball in his hands isn't necessarily a clear one, but he will benefit from the fact that. You know, there's really only a couple guys ahead of him during these this OTA session in Ayuk, Jennings, and that's it because Kittle's not even there. So a rapport could be built by the time training camp rolls around. But for the most part, like I said, good things about Trey Lance out there. Um, but we'll see. The, the reviews will get more dramatic, will get more detailed. We'll get more accurate, I would say, 
once training camp rolls around, when pads are on, when a pass rush can at least approach the quarterback, tap him on the hips type of deal. You know, and, and that's also when Trey Lance will start moving around the pocket and creating a little bit of chaos, rolling out, throwing downfield across his body, you cross the defense, crazy, crazy stuff. So as much as of an advantage the defense will gain come training camp, uh, there's also a much higher likelihood that Trey Lance starts starts doing silly things. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. I'm hoping I can get out there for training camp. So like I said, I can bring you guys like a daily podcast of the stuff I'm seeing. And a last little bit of news, the 49ers have signed to contracts their entire 2022 draft class. That's Drake Jackson, the defensive lineman out of USC. Danny Gray, the wide receiver out of Southern Methodist. Tyrion Davis-Price, as announced by Dr. Disrespect, at LSU. And the list goes on. I'm not going to read the whole draft class. I'd bore the hell out of you. But they've already signed all of them. So, And one of the things they did when Alex Mack was announced to be retiring, um, they restructured his contract to where it's basically his cap hits for the next two years. It's just over a million dollars. I believe it turned um, a bonus that Alex Mack would have achieved if he played into a signing bonus. So Alex Mack will immediately get that money. But it did save the 49ers some cap room. And I, the, the release of D Ford should be coming fairly soon as well. Now that June 1st has come and gone. So the 49ers were able to work up work, work free that cap space to sign their, their rookie class. And I'd have to look at the numbers. It, it probably took up about, about four to 5 million. You know, they didn't have a first round pick, let alone a highly drafted first round pick. So it, uh, Shouldn't have been as been as expensive as it's been in years past, but at the same time, the draft class was also like eight dudes: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, two, four, five, six. Yeah, so you know, there's still some volume there, and we'll see if the 49ers are going to use that money to make any other moves. Uh, now that Alex Mack, then Alex Mack news has officially been out. Maybe the 49ers aren't really trying to hide it anymore. And maybe they'll be more apt to uh, to make a move to replace him, or again, let the guys compete. Let them see what's going on. So I believe that kind of takes us to uh, to where we need to be in terms of 49ers news for the weekend. I'm kind of like scrolling through my Twitter just to make sure that I didn't miss anything. Debo Samuel. Uh, about a week ago, Debo Samuel was filmed by George Kittle at the Warriors game, who are about Warriors, who are about to play in game one of the NBA Finals. Um, so I'm sure the vast majority of you listening to this are are enjoying that. Um, if you haven't, I highly, highly recommend you go see Top Gun Maverick. If you haven't seen the original Top Gun, watch it. It's on Netflix. You have no excuse. But that sequel, Top Gun Maverick, is one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. It was tremendous. And I, I see a lot of movies. I do. And, and I'm not a, a forgiving movie grader, I guess you could say. But that, hopefully it's not just nostalgia speaking for me, but just the reviews that that movie got. If you're a Rotten Tomatoes person... I believe that movie is sitting at 
with a 99% audience score. It has been a long time since I've even seen a movie do that well. Let alone a movie that you would kind of expect is going to be a little silly, a little corny, a little like it had those moments. But that that movie was spectacular. Some of the best action I have ever seen. And I just can't explain to you like the buildup of that movie working towards the end. I My palms were sweaty, knees weak, mom's spaghetti on my sweater already. You know what I mean? It was, I highly recommend it. It was so good. It was so good. I, I just, I, I literally walked out of the theater and was like, I am ready to see that again right now. When's the next showing? It was tremendous. I, I very, very much recommend it. But again, I there's a ton of references to the original. So if you haven't seen the re- original Top Gun, one, you're weird because why the hell not? And two, check it out. It's on Netflix. It's not a long movie. Give it a give it a watch. You'll enjoy that one. Obviously, classic. But this was on another level. I promise you. What what movie quote was I about to hit right there? I'm gonna. I have it in my head, but I can't. I can't grasp it. Uh, I'll get it. I'll get it. The way I, it was the way I said it. It's not exactly what he said, but I'm, I'm right there. And what's funny is I'm going to stop recording and I'm going to start taking care of my stuff. And then I'm going to immediately think of it and I'm going to yell it out. And it's right on the tip of my tongue. I hate it. I'm a big movie quote guy. So not being able to instantly just pull this out in the way I said that. I'll get it. I'll get it. I hate that I'm going to have to sign out without getting it for you guys. Dang it. I'm like sitting here with a huge smile on my face trying to remember what movie I'm talking about. Promise him. He says it like that. All right. I'm I'm not going to waste you guys' time. Y'all sitting here listening to me debate this, probably just thinking I'm a total weirdo. But hey, as always, thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Um, As we progress forward, I want to start going through the entire roster, kind of like a training camp primer, if you will, because we're about – um, a month and a half away, a little bit more than a month and a half away from uh, the, the the start of training camp. We've got a mandatory minute camp that's really going to give us some ideas of what the hell is going on in the building. We're going to start breaking down the roster position by position, talking about the the, the roster, ba- roster, roster battles that could occur, that will occur, that, you know, where the, the, the people that are safe, you know, breaking down the entire roster. Y'all know how this is done. We'll do a 53-man roster prediction, see how close we can get that. Um, dang it, I'm still just torturing myself over that movie quote. Oh, you know what it is? It's not a movie. It's it's Chappelle's show. When is it? Ricky Murphy? What's his name? Charlie Murphy is like, tell him. Tell him that. And it's after he played Prince in basketball. And he's like, you tell him. It's the very end of the episode. And he's like trying to kind of get defensive about what happened to him there. And uh, I don't know the exact quote, but I think a lot of you guys know what I'm talking about now. It's at the very end of the the playing Prince's basketball team game blouses. And then he served his pancakes. And you tell him. And he's talking about what happened. I love it. I love it. But it wasn't a movie, though. So I'm glad I, I, I was able to save my sanity there. 
But as always, thank you for listening to Striking Gold. I appreciate it. Uh, this the, uh, Any success this podcast has had and will have is because of y'all on the other end of the speaker. So thank you for listening to Striking Gold. I appreciate it. Uh, make sure you are, if, if you feel so inclined, leaving a positive review on whatever you're, you're listening to, downloading, rating, subscribing, listening, viewing. All that stuff is what puts the metrics into the spreadsheets for the big boys. So um, keep doing that for me. Appreciate you guys. Uh, but as always, you know, every episode must come to an end. So I appreciate you for being here right now. Um, I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. And we're signing out.